0: On today's edition of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings, Nick and I are going to talk about what makes NHL teams successful this season. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked
1: On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello, welcome back to another edition of the Locked On NHL podcast for Thursday. I'm Hunter Hodes, one of the hosts of the Locked On Penguins podcast, joined by my co-host Nick Zarrars, one of the hosts of the Locked On Flames podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodie's. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen/slash watch of the day. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Down the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. So. Nick, let's dive into the power rankings for this week. There were quite a few changes you know, compared to last week. For example, the Florida Panthers have gone up a spot. The Red Wings have gone up three spots. Leafs have gone down a few. Sabres have gone up. Senators have gone down. The Penguins have also went down. They've been struggling a little bit as of late. But
1: what really stood out to you for the power rankings this week compared to last week? Um, I think people are realizing the Leafs might be in trouble. I, I think going down a team with that much talent going down that many spots in such a short period of time. I know they lost Giordano over the weekend as well. They're down yeah. another defenseman now to the point where they're missing three of the six guys they came into the season with, with no real indication of when any of those three guys would come back. It really kind of feels like they're going to have to add a defenseman from outside the organization just as a stopgap here. And they can't really afford to wait till closer to the deadline because they need to protect the goaltending situation. Which has been very fragile for them Whether it be Wall or Whomstever they, They're they really kind of They're really up against it right now The fact that people are realizing the Leafs Might be in trouble, the Devils might Kind of be in trouble they're, they're, We're starting to get uh, A few weeks ago we, we talked about this idea of when are the teams we expect to play better going to start playing better? Because they have the talent to be better. The Leafs, the Devils, the Penguins. And we saw the Penguins did really well on that California swing. And then they came back to the East Coast and it's been a little up and down. They haven't really gelled as much as they were during that road trip. And then out West, more or less, everything is kind of the same other than the Kings. And then the Ducks, I think the Ducks people were just kind of waiting for the Ducks who were down three spots. I think everybody was just kind of waiting for the first real sign of who the Ducks actually are as opposed to the a fun team we've been talking about them being for the last few weeks so in my estimation i think people are starting to have enough of a sample where we can get closer to what teams actually are as opposed to what we think they are
0: i agree and i like the point that you made about the devils i mean they did have a big comeback win over the islanders earlier this week that game was looking bad for a while they were down 4-2 in the third period then came back to when they scored the game winning goal with less than 30 seconds to go in regulation and honestly nick I was thinking it was going to be maybe time to fire up those Fire Lindy chants again in New Jersey, considering what happened last year and how the Devils have struggled again this year. But I think they are going to figure it out. They're going to get a bit more healthy. They're still pretty banged up right now. You know, I look at the rest of these power rankings and, you know, I'll just pull this up for everyone to see right now. The Penguins went down again in a couple of spots. Yeah, the Red Wings move up over the Lightning. I think the Lightning are going to move into that top three after this week. In my opinion, they got Andre Vasilevsky back. And it's crazy that the Lightning were able to stay in the race despite getting sub 900 goaltending from their two goalies. Both of their goalies gave up at least two goals above above expected, excuse me, before Vasilevsky came back. And the fact they're able to still stay in the race is a credit to mostly their top players, I would say. I, I think they're definitely going to make a move at some point, you know, other Than that, I mean, the Pacific is kind of staying how I would expect. The Oilers didn't move up a couple of spots. They're starting to figure it out at least a little bit, but there's still a long way to go. The Central, not really too much, I would say, has changed there. You know, you see the Minnesota Wow down at that number seven spot. I still did not expect to see that this season, but they fired Dean Evison this week. John Hines took over there. They got the first win under Hines. Have to see if that changes as well. And then, you know, you got the Metro, the Atlantic. I mean, especially in the Metro's case, man, it is such a tight division. Only a couple of points really separate third from sixth or seventh. I'm still curious to see if the Flyers can keep this up for, I don't know, the next month, two months. John Torrella, this is like the perfect team for him because he can squeeze every ounce
1: out of it that he can. And those guys are going to play hard for him
0: every single night.
1: The thing about a team like the Flyers, and we talk about this a lot when it comes to the postseason, but I think it can be the case sometimes in the regular season. For the most part, aside from a couple guys who have been there long term, guys like Couturier, Cam Atkinson, a lot of those guys are kind of, I'm going to use this prerogative term in a, a negative way, but they're a little bit too dumb to realize they're not supposed to be a good team they don't know they're just doing what their coach tells them they're playing as hard as they can they're not thinking about well we're not actually this good they teams don't think the way we do the people inside that locker room are okay we're going to come to work every day we're going to do everything we can we're going to try and win best we can we're going to try and turn every game into a rock fight you saw them do that against the rangers over the weekend where every single whistle everybody grabs somebody to hold just to hold them not actually to fight You saw them trying to mix it up to annoy the other team, goad them into taking penalties. When you're not the most talented group, stuff like that works to your advantage. Muck a game up, slow it down, and try and make the other team play get off their game don't let the other team play the way they want to annoy them pester them and the flyers hung around pretty well in that game with the rangers who are in first place in the entire league that's the key to when you're a team like that that's kind of exceeding expectations It, it helps when you're young and you don't know any better like the vast majority of that team is but real quick you mentioned the devils and lindy ruff and the thing I would say to that is I think if they were going to do that they would have done that in the off season and I know a lot of people would say well they made they won a playoff round for the first time in something like 10 11 years why would you get rid of the coach well th- there's no right wrong time in my opinion I think replacing the coach has a couple different effects we can talk and relate I can tie this all together beautifully so in relation to the Wild and the Oilers Those two teams only changed their coaches because they needed something to be different and they couldn't fire up a trade at this point in the season. There are too many teams who are still alive that they're not willing to trade off good players yet. So those teams, rather than trying to spur the trade market into action in the end of November, they said, okay, let's change the coach. Even if it's only a temporary sugar rush high, if we rattle off seven out of 10, six out of 10, even we're right back. We're in the thick of the mix. We'll be in okay shape. Whereas a team like the Devils, they gave Lindy Ruff an extension. And of course, these billionaire owners, they can make that, they can eat a couple million dollars for a coach. That's not the issue. But a lot of these guys will take offense to, well, if we're going to fire this guy, why did we pay him to give him this? Why'd we give him this extension? So I don't think you would see Ruff get fired in season. I think the Devils need to make a move, though. I, we'll talk about that more as we get closer to January. Typically speaking, <clears throat> excuse me. Typically speaking, we see that first trade happen the end of January, like last year. Beau Horvat was the last week of January when the Islanders made that trade with the Canucks. So we probably got a good another five to six weeks before we see that first trade. That kind of sets the market.
0: I guess you're talking about that first big trade because we did see Anthony yeah. Bo- Beauvillier, excuse me, get traded this week from Vancouver to Chicago. Honestly, not a bad move from Chicago, especially with the whole Corey Perry situation. And Vancouver is just trying to clear cap, I think in that situation. So I understand what you're saying when it comes to, I think right now teams, they, some teams, I guess, don't fully know what they are yet. And they don't want to yeah. give up on the season when, you know, we're still barely even into December at this point. One more thing to get to before we head to break, I will say it was a really fun start for the Anaheim Ducks. They were playing really inspired hockey, but the wheels have definitely fallen off for them as of late. They've lost seven in a row. They're nine and 13 overall minus 17 goal differential. They've also lost eight of their last 10 games. I don't think that was ever going to last their, their hot start, that is. And you're seeing that right now. Again, I don't think they're as bad as they've played these last seven rate games, Nick, but I also don't think they were as good as the way they started the season. I think the mean is somewhere in the middle there, but it's just unfortunate
1: that like the low is just really low right now because this has been a fun team to watch this year. Oh no, absolutely. And that ties very nicely into what we're going to talk about in the next segment about what that cutoff point is and trying to distill out what's going to be the cutoff and what it's going to take to actually be a playoff team next year. So good on you for tying us nicely into the next next segment.
0: Yeah. And we're going to get to the cutoff point for the playoffs in both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference in this next segment. The West is probably going to be a bit lower than the East when you look at the standings right now, but that's coming up right after this. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about game time. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from receipt, and their best price guarantee, game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. It's the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. You can also buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime, download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, again, create an account, and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download GameTime today, last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we're back here on this edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes. joined by my co-host, Nick Serrara. So, Nick, let's dive into the cutoff point for the playoffs this year. I teased it heading into the commercial break. It's going to be a bit lower in the West compared to the East because, let's face it, the Eastern Conference, it's more, I guess it's tighter this year. It's even more tighter, I think, this year than it was last year. And that's saying something because the Eastern Conference playoff race last year was
1: awesome. But when you look at the West... I feel like, you know, it's who, top heavy. Yeah. The West is top heavy. Whereas the East there's you, more talent distributed amongst all of the teams. That's the difference.
0: Yeah. like, And I feel like, you know, which teams from the West or at least a good chunk of them right now are going to be in the playoffs. For example, Vegas, you know, is going to get in Vancouver with their hot start. They're probably going to get in. I would, I would say, I know Nick, they, they're, close. Know, PDO, they're, they're close. They're close to a lock.
1: They're close to a lock. Yeah. I, I would say so. And I know they have high PDO,
0: They're getting insane goaltending, finishing a lot of their chances. Maybe that regresses a little bit. But I would still say based on their start, and heck, Brock Besser's been incredible for the Canucks, as has Thatcher Demko, I would say they're going to get in. Colorado is going to make the playoffs this year. The Dallas Stars, I think, are going to get in as well. I would say the Kings, too, they're also, I think, one of the best teams in the league. But outside of that, you have a race for the remaining few spots. Winnipeg, I think they could get in, but I still don't fully know what to make of that team. You have the St. Louis Blues, the National Predators have won six in a row. And, you know, it's funny, Nick, just a couple weeks ago, we were talking about what direction they were going to go in, and now they've won six in a row, and UC Soros might be starting to figure some things out. So they might be in the playoff race a little later on in the season. And in the Pacific, you have the Flames, who I guess are kind of there. They're in fourth, but they're eight points out of third behind the Kings. Again, outside of the Knights, Canucks, Kings, Avalanche, and Stars, everything is more wide, it's a little more wide open in the West. for the east you mainly just have the rangers who are lighting the league on fire you have the boston bruins who are electric as well panthers i would put up there too hurricanes i guess are maybe starting to figure some things out but outside of that the goaltending
1: is their issue yeah. carolina i think the team is good enough where if they add a goalie to that room they'll be all right yeah the east is weird the east you it's just very see- close conceivably you could make an argument after Boston and the Rangers, Florida, you feel pretty good about Detroit. You feel okay about Tampa Bay. You feel good about the Leafs in theory. You feel good about the devils. You feel okay about the penguins. You feel okay about are the flyers for real Are the capitals for real are Ottawa or Buffalo going to drag themselves off the floor. Like there are just a lot more teams in the mix in the East. And the thing that helps all of those teams is they beat up on each other. That's what helps these teams that keeps the standings close is when you have this many quality teams in one division in one conference, they beat up on each other and it keeps things closer. It keeps things bunched up. Last year, Winnipeg was the last team in in the West and they had, I think, 94 points. And then last year, the last team in in the East was Florida, who had 95 or 96 points, something like that. So generally speaking, you need to get to that mid-90s threshold to 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 be the last team in. If you want to be one of the three division teams, traditionally speaking, you need about 100 points. You can right. do it with 98. There have been teams who have done it with 98 or 99. But if you want one of those three spots, you typically speaking have to record at least 100 standings points. I mean, in the East last year, the Rangers were 104 or 102, and then the Devils and Hurricanes were both over 110. Yeah. So it, it, it the Metro in particular has probably the, the best collection of high-end talent Sands the Central, because Colorado and Dallas will probably both be 105, 110 point teams. Yeah, But after that, Winnipeg is probably that last team, that 95, 96 points. But I have some stats for you just to kind of, the you brought it up before about trying to see the high, the low, the middle. So these are just some stats to keep in mind for what the median NHL team looks like right now. The average NHL team right now is scoring 3.1 goals per game that's what it takes to be the 16th best team in the NHL right now is 3.1 goals. So three goals per game, all situations. The average shooting percentage in all situations is 10%. League average goaltending in all situations is 899. League average power play, 19.8. League average penalty kill, 80%. At five on five, shooting percentage is 8.6%. And the 16th best team in five-on-five goals has 42 right now, 42 five-on-five goals, and most teams have played about 18 games. Some teams have played more, some teams have played less. So uh, conservatively, about two-and-a-half goals per game at five-on-five is what it takes to be league average. Of course, you don't want to be league average. You want to be above average. You want to be one of those teams in the top ten. But that's kind of the midpoint for a lot of these, for most of the key statistics to kind of discern Who's getting lucky? Who's actually good? Because make no mistake about it, to be one of those teams who gets 110, 120 standings points, you do have to get lucky. You do have to go on a crazy PDO oh, vendor yeah. to, to record 110, 120. Somebody was writing about this a few weeks uh, uh, last year in regards to the analyzing their preseason model. It might have been involving Wild. It might have been Dom at the Athletic. I forget, but their point was: you are more like if for a team like the Bruins to record 130 points. It requires more luck to do that than to be the team that sneaks in with like 101 PDO is like the second wild card, because to win 60 games, 70 games, that's a lot of luck to win that many games. And right. I know a lot of people don't like reducing ga- hockey to luck, but it, it's not just luck. There are factors that we can't quantify within that within the mindset of what we call luck and I know this is kind of a nebulous idea something outside the orthodoxy you don't typically hear when we're talking about like who's good and who isn't but it requires a certain amount of luck to be one of those elite teams in the league because that's what guys playing with confidence on good teams are it's not just that they're lucky it's they're feeling good about their games so they're able to take more risks they're able to be more creative and they're able to do things that a guy who isn't feeling good about their game on a team that isn't as successful wouldn't be able to do think about the difference of Brock Besser last year versus this year where he had the wrist surgery he had the hip surgery he had the loss in his family got healthy scratched a couple times last year year from hell long off season came back i think he's fourth in the league in goals right now that's the kind of thing i'm talking about where it's not just luck there's another element within that where these guys need that to be able to get to that high level for a team to play as well as the canucks are playing the rangers are playing the bruins colorado dallas whatever you need to have some luck and it just there's a weird way of the best players in the world making their own luck that's kind of the difference
0: No, I hear you on that. And it's funny you bring up Bester there because he could have been available for trade last year and was available. No one wanted him, Nick. And he's showing showing people why those teams were fools, I think, just because of the start that he's off to this season. But I think to your overall point, I mean, there is still at least a decent amount of luck in this sport, especially, you know, when you get to the playoffs and we'll be recording. That's way down the line, but there is a lot of luck when it comes into a 70 game series. I don't think enough people talk about that, but again, I agree overall with your points. It's just going to be a lot of fun seeing how these races shake out, you know, what team maybe gets a little luckier compared to another, what team goes on a shooting bender compared to another, what team, you know, has a power play that maybe is struggling right now that goes on a heater later on in the season that can all change, in the blink of an eye. And it's going to be really fun to see as we get into, you know, halfway through the season, second half of the year past the all-star break, all that good stuff. But I think we're going to wrap it up there for this second segment coming up to end the show. Nick and I are going to get into what makes successful teams this year pretty successful. And there's definitely a lot of teams to get into when it comes to that, including his New York Rangers. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience, what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Or you'll get your money back because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep it right or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on this edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Hunter Otis, joined by my co-host, Nick Zararis So, Nick, a lot of really good teams in the NHL this season. And I'll just say it again.
1: I expected your Rangers to be a good team this year. I did not expect nobody expected this. Nobody. anyone who tells you that's full of it, they're lying. They're, they're absolutely lying. Their big move of the off season was the bargain bin. They brought in a bunch of bottom six guys, a 35 year old goalie who had had hip surgery a couple of years ago. And the guy who got bought out and stripped of his captaincy in the last. And yet, Jonathan Quick
0: is playing like 2012 level. Jonathan Quick, where did this come from?
1: he's got like the sixth or fifth most goals saved above expected. He doesn't have the threat. He hasn't made enough starts to meet the threshold to be in the leaders, but he's got that many goals saved above expected in something like eight starts. But there's no real answer as to why Jonathan Quick magically learned how to play goalie again. He was genuinely awful on the Kings last year. He was passable on Vegas in like the seven or eight starts he had to make for them after the deadline last year, but he wasn't good. Uh, The Rangers are a good example of the energy around the team changing The guys believe in the team a little bit more. And I wouldn't, it's not luck, but something in that idea of just better energy around the team. And instead of looking for somebody else to make a play, somebody else is just making a play. It's not like years past where the Rangers were waiting for Fox or Zibinijad or Panarin or Kreider to score a goal to get them back in the mix. It's guys like jimmy veezy it's guys like will cooley it's the defense actually being good at defense but just to open it up a little bit more as far as what makes teams successful we break the game up into three things five on five special teams goaltending those are the three categories we break it up into to be a good team you need to have at least two of those if you have at least two of those you can get into the playoffs to go far in the playoffs you need all three but at the baseline you're seeing it you see teams like vancouver They've got okay five on five. They got good spent. They got a good power play, a med penalty kill, and they got elite goaltending. Goaltending is probably the best regular season. If you can only have one of those three things in the regular season, you probably want goaltending because most nights that can keep you in the game. But as far as like the big picture, you want goaltending and you want five on five play. You can get by with mass special teams at least till the second round of the playoffs. If you are good at five on five, you can survive a long way. I agree, and
0: that's that's a major reason what you just said, why the Boston Bruins continue to light the league on fire as well. At 5-on-5, they have a 59% actual goals rate off a 52% expected goals rate. They're finishing their chances. And, of of course, they're also getting elite, and I mean elite-level goaltending from both Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark. You get both of those things, and they also their special teams are pretty decent, and it's no wonder why the Bruins are one of the best teams in the league right now, even though they don't have David Krejci or Patrice Bergeron. We are talking about the Canucks. Their five-on-five five numbers are at least pretty decent. Their power play is red hot, and of course, Thatcher Demko. He's one of the best goalies in the league. And at least for the team that I cover, the Penguins. It is people. You can look at the Penguins and be like, "How are they only ten and ten and one?" Their five-on-five on five numbers are elite. Expected goals rate and actual goals rate. And I can just pull them up here for you all. For you all, fifty-four percent expected goals rate at five-on-five, 57 percent actual goals rate. You think that's very good? And it is. You have their goaltending, which they have top 10, all situations, goaltending from both Tristan Jari and Alex Delkovich. but their power play in particular has been one of the worst in the league, which is why they're at 500 right now. They have a top 10 penalty kill. And usually, again, all of those aspects have a team in the top half of the league, but because their power play is so bad, they're a middling team. And that's all it can take for a team that you think can be successful to be not as good you I think in my opinion you have to have at least an average to a above average power play if you want to be a successful team in this league I don't think you can have a bad power play and a really good penalty kill to be that successful I think you know you you can at least a little bit but I would rather have it where your power play is really good and your PK is average and while you're five on five numbers and you're getting good goaltending that's how I would see it at least
1: the The perfect example I will give you, and I say this all the time in regards to the Rangers, you cannot win a hockey game 0-0. You can play an indefinite game for 0-0, but eventually you do need to score a goal if you would like to win a hockey game. So you're always going to take the elite power play over the elite penalty kill. I'm not saying a a good penalty kill is not important. you got to be at least okay at the penalty kill. You don't need to be good. You can't be one of the five, 10 worst teams in the league. I mean, it, yeah, that's exactly my main point. point. Not to interrupt you. Yeah, I think I would rather just
0: have a, a good power play and an average PK rather than a great PK and a really bad power play. And that's a hundred
1: percent. Yeah, that's Go the ahead. Islanders. That's the Islanders yep. for like the last three years. Is really good penalty kill, terrible power play. You don't want to be that. It's hard to win game zero zero. I understand the mindset of these teams where if you have an elite goalie. It's easier to have an elite penalty kill. What's the cliche? Every color guy likes to say during a broadcast, your goaltender's your best penalty killer. It's true. It, on a good team, you emphasize your best players. And I know a lot of people say, well, how come How come you say this team is a Shisterkin merchant or a Sorokin merchant or UC Soros merchant? Well, it you can get by with that, riding the good goalie and the special teams in the regular season. But in the postseason, It is really hard. You don't have as many ways to win. If you need every game to be two to one, three to two, the teams that can score a lot more consistently, they can also win a game two to one. They can also win a game five to four. That's all being able to score consistently does. It gives you more options. You got to be great in the
0: playoffs.
1: You, Yeah, that's, Eighty percent of the game is at five on five. Yeah, you can get by win, winning that twenty percent and playing to a push in those other eighty percent, but you're just not giving yourself as much room for error. Right. No. No. I, I always say that
0: when it comes to the playoffs, especially when there's such small sample sizes. Yes, a goalie can steal a playoff series for you, but if you're also not getting the contributions at five on five, you're not going to go anywhere, even if it's in a small series and especially with how the refs swallow the whistles a lot more in the playoffs, Nick, I mean, power plays, let's face it. They go down in the playoffs. Once you get there, they don't, they're not called as often as they are in the regular season. And the deeper you go in the playoffs, the less calls you get there too. That's just how the NHL likes their games officiated. I mean, at least that's how I see it at least.
1: Uh, Anecdotally, I, I, I will look this up because I vaguely remember reading an article about this last year during the postseason that it was, the difference is pretty negligible between the two. It might just be anecdotal evidence that we feel like they call less penalties. In it must postseason. be my eye test. <laughs> it, it might be, I will, I will fact check that. And we will talk about That's Something we can talk about next week, like the game state, but that's really the main point I wanted to talk about in regards to what we brought up in the second segment and the third segment is teams can be really high. They can be really low. And the middle is generally the starting point for a conversation of is this team actually good or is this team actually bad, and then we can distill out process, results, luck, you know, all the components within a team's a team's play to kind of are to determine where they actually fit in that hierarchy. But in terms of just what makes a good hockey team in today's NHL you have to be able to score at least three goals a game. If yeah. you are struggling to score consistently, you are going to have a hard time. If you can't score at least those three goals consistently, you're going to have to have one of those five best goalies and an above average defense, which is just, it's harder to do. The game is set up now where it is on, it, it's like football, the way where the game is more inclined to favor the offense now league average when we first start when you and i first started to understand these newer advanced statistics about 10 years ago when i first heard of the idea of pdo the numbers were 91 and 9 9, 9, 10 save 9 shooting percentage is how you got to the 100 pdo now it's about in all situations it's about Nine hundred shooting, nine hundred save, and ten percent shooting. We've had about a one percent change in both directions for one percent better shooting, one percent worse save percentage in about a ten year period, which supports what we know that the game is more offensive centric and it's easier to score right. now.
0: No, I, I agree with you. It's over the years, especially these last two, three, four years, you've seen more offense come into the NHL. It's not the same game from what we saw. Back in, you know, even 2010, 2011, 2012, where goals were a lot harder to come by. With all the talent that's in the league right now, there's obviously going to be an increase in scoring. And I think that's only going to continue, Nick, for the next several
1: years as more and more talent comes into the league. Oh, for sure. And, you know, there'll be ebbs and flows. This stuff goes in cycles. Penalties in general, power plays opportunities are up in general, which is part of what's driving that. Because the difference, like I said before, shooting percentage at five on five is 8.6. Shooting percentage in all situations is 10.1 that one and a half point difference is pretty much all power play. Sure. Some of that short-handed, yeah. but the vast majority of that is power play. We're talking about for the whole league, one and a half percent of the score of the goals being on the power play. You know, that's a significant percentage of the total goals because we can distill it out to the raw numbers. We can understand. Yeah. Power plays are up. So there are more goals in general.
0: Right. Uh, I, I agree with you on that. And just to go off what you're saying there, I mean, with that with, Everything you said with five-on-five, special teams, goaltending, it's not hard to understand why. You know, even a team like Colorado is really successful this season. We can put Vegas in there. Dallas, I mean, all all three of those teams are getting really good goaltending, especially Dallas and Vegas. And then at five-on-five, they're both excellent. And We can put the Avalanche in there as well. But I think that will do it for this edition of the Thursday show of the Locked on NHL podcast. Really appreciate all of you listening to slash watching this one. Nick and I will be back with another episode for you all next week detailing the latest power rankings and then a couple other topics around the league that we want to discuss as well but that'll do it for this one thank you all so much for tuning in and we'll talk with you all next thursday